The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Right here, Disability Law Show. So we're ready. We're hoping you ready, uh, are ready as well. You have questions for Savannah during the rest of the show for the complete hour. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. We talk about disability law like we have been for years on this station on your tv show so the same rules apply for this uh, particular slot so bring it on we're ready to talk to you but first things first brother this has been all over the news and we have been talking about this you and i for for weeks and weeks because it's been coming down the pike but now it is out there it is large news it's all over the news this morning and that is this whole thing with travel insurance and people having their trips canceled and dealing with insurance companies and the policies give me some details about what's going on Absolutely, John. So yeah, I mean, the the, the uh, media really blew up uh, this week with respect to this class action that uh, we started. Uh, it's our firm. Um, it's myself and James at our firm, and we've teamed up with another firm. And really what this has to do with is a class action against TD Bank and TD's, uh, TD Bank's insurance arm with respect to travel insurance policies. Now, John, people have been listening to us over these past few weeks and months talk about travel insurance and how, as a result of COVID, uh, many people have had to cancel their trips, business trips, personal trips, and they've relied on travel insurance. And many people have travel insurance through their credit cards, like TD, for example, uh, TD Infinite uh, uh, Aeroplan credit card, and other people have it through other uh, credit cards, and other people have purchased travel insurance with various insurance companies. And the common thread that I have seen, having spoken now with literally hundreds of individuals across the country just this week, because of all the media attention, was about the fact that insurance companies are taking the position that if you are being offered a credit or a voucher for your flight or resort or cruise or whatnot, then the insurance company says you're not eligible for being reimbursed under the policy. Now, here's the thing. The key phrase here is under the policy. Remember, you have a contract as an insured person under the policy. The insurance policy is the contract. This is elementary. This is contract law, insurance law 101 for any law student. Insurance companies know this. And when I've looked at these insurance policies, many of them, they say nothing about people not uh, being allowed to be reimbursed for expenses that they submit if they've had to cancel their trip because of COVID, because of the government's travel advisory. And uh, despite that, the insurance companies like TD are denying these claims, in my view, illegitimately. Not just in my view. We have five senior lawyers here with a combined experience of over 100 years in insurance law uh, dealing with this matter. And so we've launched this TD class action. If you Google TD class action travel insurance, it's going to come up. CBC, Financial Post, you know, uh, 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 Global, everyone in Canada was talking about this week. And I can tell you, John, literally I have been inundated with with calls and with emails from everyone across the country. I just had a uh, an interview yesterday with the Globe and Mail. Again, same issues. And and there are many other people in the same boat. And, and this is absolutely crazy to me. And you know, when this morning I looked, um, I'm just going to load this up. Give me a second. The Financial Post ran a story on this. And uh, let me quote you something from the Financial Post here. Elizabeth Goldenstein, a spokesman for TD, 
I'm reading the the article here. Yep. Said she could not comment on the specifics of the case as it is a matter that is before the courts. And then she says, what I can tell you is that our trip cancellation coverage is consistent with the industry-wide position on this coverage, she said. Customers are eligible for trip cancellation coverage, that is, reimbursement for a trip not taken, when there is no option available to them to receive a credit and transfer their trip to another date. If a customer could receive the 100% credit and transfer their trip to a future date, there is no eligibility for trip cancellation reimbursement, she said. John, this is baloney. This is nonsense. It's garbage. I know they're going to argue this. What concerns me here is one phrase from her quote, that this is consistent with industry-wide position. You understand that all these insurance companies, they understand that they have to abide by the term of these insurance contracts. And I suspect what's happening here is they, they, this is so unprecedented. You probably had thousands, if not tens of thousands of individuals across the country uh, having to have, have, have canceled their trips uh, back in March, April, May, put in trip cancellation claims. These insurance companies don't want to pony up the money. And this is completely wrong. And TD, this is why we're going after TD, and we're going to go after every other insurer that has done this. This is wrong. This is wrong towards Canadians. I'm, I'm, would like the government to step in here. And, and, you know, I'm very passionate about this because I, I've literally just, even before I got on the show today, John, uh, I was contacted by an elderly couple, a retired uh, couple from Nova Scotia. And, and they're writing to me that they've read about this. And, you know, is there any way that I can help them? So I'm getting approached now from everybody uh, across the country, and and you know we're we're going to take this on. We're going to take on these insurance companies. It's just not right, especially when Canadians are suffering now. I want to mention that uh, we do have a guest uh, on with us this morning, at least for the next few minutes. Savannah, that is uh, Marty Fireson from Travel Secure, and I want to discuss his class action uh, travel insurance as well. Hi, hey, Marty. How are you, pal? Very good. Thanks for having me. You bet, you bet. Go ahead. So, Marty, let me let, let me just uh, say that you had contacted me after you um, you read about this class action, and then we we ended up chatting shortly after. And uh, I think your knowledge, your in-depth knowledge of of the travel insurance industry, is is a lot more than what I can offer uh, our listeners. And and you've been fr- a frequent guest on various media outlets. So maybe give us a bit of of a background about yourself, what you do, and what your views are on this whole issue. Sure. Thank you. So uh, I am president and owner of Travel Secure, and we are a brokerage. I basically uh, am associated with many different insurance companies, and we sell medical emergency coverage. We sell trip cancellation, interruption, visitor to Canada, student, anything that's related to travel and insurance, we look after it. Um, your article or your uh, the article in the paper that brought this to my attention absolutely put out a red light because it, it, it's huge. It's it's huge. And I wanted to point out to you that, in fact, whatever this woman said or that spokesman, it is not consistent with insurance companies across the board. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, many insurance companies, not the credit card ones and not the ones that they don't do underwriting at time of application, rather underwriting at time of claim, which is a whole other story I can get into in a, in a moment, gave the opportunity that if you were offered a refund or a voucher of some sort, I shouldn't say refund, uh, a voucher or credit of some sort, then you could say, I'm not taking that offer. I bought this insurance because I wanted to be reimbursed in the event that I could not go for one of the following conditions, and I want my money back, and that's why I purchased the premium. So that's huge, because right off the bat, it is not consistent. There are insurers out there 
that gave back. And by the way, not one thousand, not two thousand dollars, but people who were booking biking trips for Italy in the summer that spent twenty three thousand dollars that received their twenty three thousand back within two to three weeks of making a claim. Wow. Yep. Wow, that's that's you know, if we can put those names out there, that would be great. I, I it's it's just crazy to me, you know. And and I'm interesting that you said that this is not uh, industry wide uh, approach. Uh, you know, I can tell you and, and to our listeners there, uh, that there is a background story to this TD cl- uh, lawsuit that, that we started, uh, this class action, in that I didn't just jump into it. Uh, you know, when I told my client, uh, Kevin Lyons, that we can do a class action here, initially when he approached me, I don't deal generally with claims that are worth $5,000. It's just not something that I deal with. There are other people at the firm. But it's so, it made me angry. And, and I told him, I said, let me see if I can resolve it for you. And I was communicating with TD and the representatives, and I was going back and forth, I don't know how many times, and I kept saying, but show me where in the policy you're entitled to take this position. You know, John, I, I gave this example yesterday to another uh, um, media outlet that I had an interview with. And I said, you know, if you have a 10-year-old child going into a store, and they want to buy some kind of a candy, and they give the clerk, you know, $3.00. And the clerk takes that $3 and says, sorry, kid, I don't have that candy in stock. Would you like a credit for the next time we have it in stock, or would you like me to give you the $3 back? What do you think that 10-year-old kid's going to do? He's going to say, give me the $3 back. I'll see if I can find something else, like a chocolate bar. I mean, it's insane. And here's the other thing. These insurance companies are taking the position, Marty, that you know these credits and vouchers are a sure thing. You can use it at some point in the future. Who knows if these cruise lines are going to be in business next year, if these airlines are going to be in business? I mean, it's so speculative. Yeah, I'll give you another angle that I think is forgetting if the cruise lines will be in business or the airlines will be in business. What if you can't get travel insurance that will cover COVID coming up for your future trips? That would absolutely be a a non-starting item for me that I wouldn't go on this trip if I didn't have COVID coverage. And I can tell you right now, there are many insurance companies right now, while the travel advisory is in place, that have basically said COVID will be an exclusion going forward until such time that the advisory is lifted. Mm-hmm. And, and, and who knows when that's going to be? I mean, it's well, anybody's guess. September 21st, I guarantee you they will extend it another 30 days, another 30 days after that. And then you know what? The snowbird season, as we know it, would be wiped out because people who typically went away in October till April will now say, you know what? It's already January and I still can't get away and I still can't get insurance coverage. So why would I go? Marty, um, uh, Marty Firestone here from Travel Secure. Marty, and that's the thing. You just mentioned snowbirds and that's a, a nice segue. A lot of people I've talked to right now, I know, Savannah, you have mentioned as well. A lot of these people are elderly and this was their, you know, their big lifetime trip or maybe possibly their last trip because they're not physically capable maybe next year the year after that to travel so they're completely stiffed that's not right yeah they, they are going to look at this and say I, I don't know how many more years i have a travel left in me and to sit here in the cold of ontario snow and and, and freezing rain and all that is really going to be a challenge for them like they've never faced before now, Marty, let me let me ask you a little bit broadly here, because you know, after we spoke, I, I told you that, uh, in fact, my father, uh, you know, who, who's uh, 69 years old, has pre-existing conditions, and I was actually on the phone with one of the major insurers before COVID hit to figure out if we can get him insurance. So, so, for people out there who have these kinds of questions, you deal with these kinds of things, pre-existing. You deal with getting insurance, travel insurance specifically. Maybe talk a bit, you know, maybe give some advice to people out there. And, and look, COVID at some point, hopefully, will pass. Uh, 
So, yeah. so what, what message would you want to give people about travel insurance in general? Uh, what are the prudent things they should do? Um, what should they avoid pitfalls in terms of getting travel insurance? Just general advice. Okay. So uh, it, it will pass, hopefully, and that's either because they came up with a vaccine or they have a, a cure of some sort. So that, that time will come. And while I think this season, 2020, 2021, could be a wipeout, I really do, I think it will come back w- w- with bigger and better uh, in the 2021, 2022 season because people will be, like, starving to get away. Um, the biggest thing, and this actually is a good segue to what we talked about earlier, I have talked for years about what credit card insurance does versus individual travel insurance. And the biggest thing that stands out that I spoke to and alluded to earlier is there are no medical questions when you buy travel insurance through your credit card. It's embedded in your card and you think you have it. However, when you have your claim and you're down there, then they start saying to you, how long was that condition stable? Did you have a change in high blood pressure? pressure medication two weeks before you went away therefore this claim is denied i've always been a contender to say guys if they don't ask you questions there is no possibility that at claim time there isn't going to be issues at least when you get underwritten by someone like myself or any other broker out there for that matter they asked you if you've had any changes in high blood pressure medication you know that their stability is six months 180 days therefore you will not be covered for any uh, uh, blood pressure related conditions such as cardiac or something else that they come up with and therein lies the problem on the credit card no questions were asked you believed you had a 15-day annual to travel as many times as you wanted during the year up to 15 days but only at claim time when there is an issue do they then order the doctor's reports and say hey they just had a blood pressure change claim denied and therein lies the problem Marty, we're going to uh, just hold on for a sec. We've got to take a, a short break here and get into uh, lots more stuff. If you're just joining us, uh, welcome. Welcome to the show, Disability Law Show. You'll want to reach out to Savan anytime, by the way, real simple, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca as well. We'll continue Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Savannah is here to answer your questions. You know, got to thank Marty Firestone again from Travel Secure for uh, enlightening us over the last uh, few minutes about what's happening. Uh, Savannah, with that uh, big class action lawsuit, you could just Google Savannah to Markin uh, TD Insurance class action. It's going to come up all over your browser. So uh, so that's some big stuff, and I know we'll be talking about this in the next uh, few weeks and months, possibly longer, Savan, so keep us, uh, keep us updated for sure. Got a bunch of emails coming through already. Again, help at disabilityrights.ca, but first, you, you had one you want to cover off off the hop. What's going on, Tom? Typically, what we talk about on this show is long-term disability insurance. Um, and, and, you know, for any listeners out there who have not listened to us or heard us before, uh, I am a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Uh, we have offices uh, in, in Ontario, in BC, uh, soon in Alberta, and, and we help people with their employment issues, and we help people with their long-term disability claims, as well as personal injury claims. But my group uh, primarily deals with insurance-type claims, and so let me, let me um, you know, shift a bit here to uh, long-term disability. I, I received an email earlier this week, and it's about a topic that has come up before, um, so let me read you the email and then I'll comment on it. 
This person wrote to me, is there an episode of your program that speaks to alcohol and or drug addiction uh, and long-term or short-term disability? Denial or suspension of benefits resulting from non-compliance, abstinence, discovered through monitoring, also the practice of insurance always sending claimants with drug addiction abuse for an IME. The treatment recommendations always seem to be uh, on uh, for medical monitoring. So this is interesting because I actually have a case I'm dealing with right now out on BC. Um, and, and this idea that insurance companies are very skeptical of individuals who are suffering from a drug addiction, alcoholism, things of this nature. And when I say they're skeptical is they oftentimes deny claims, long-term and short-term disability claims, on the basis of what they say is non-compliance with treatments. And think about this for a second. One of the hallmarks of somebody who's an addict or somebody who's an alcoholic is that they have difficulty uh, um, getting better. I mean, that, that's, that's just part of the disease, right? And so what happens is when a person is enrolled in a program through a, a, a clinic, a physician, whatever, um, oftentimes and sometimes they fall off the wagon. That doesn't mean that they're being non-compliant. It's part of the process. But yet insurance companies take the position unfairly, I think, very unfairly, that these individuals are being non-compliant. To me, non-compliance means I'm giving up altogether, I'm not interested in doing anything, I'm just going to drink myself to death, and I still want to get money. Well, you know what, in that case, I can see the insurance company saying, we're not going to pay you. But in, in the situation that I have with my client over there, who's trying to get better, he really is. And I had spoken to his doctor who specifically specializes in, 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 in alcoholism and drug addiction. Uh, and she provided us with reports that, that, you know, we gave the insurance company that said he is being compliant within the context of his disability. And for the insurance company to take the position this person is not eligible uh, or should not be paid under the long-term disability insurance policy is ludicrous to me. Think about this. Long-term disability and short-term disability policies are there as a safety net. If you are disabled, whether you have a psychological disability, a physical disability, any other type of disability that's captured by the policy, if you are unable to work as a result of that disability, and alcoholism is a disability, it's, you know, just check the human rights legislation, then the insurance company must pay. And this is what, you know, we do here on this program, John, obviously, is, is we, we inform people about their rights because when an insurance company denies your claim, whether it's a travel insurance claim or an automobile insurance claim, house insurance claim, or a disability claim, do not take that denial at face value. That's number one. Do not back off. That's number two. Stand up for your rights, number three. And number four, get informed, get the information you need. And we have a lot of information, obviously, on our website, and you're going to give that website, John. Um, but it's also important to understand that when you speak with us about your issues and when you reach out to us, we will reach out back and we will give you the information you need for no cost whatsoever. I'm going to repeat that. Our lawyers will speak with you or with your family members, your friends, your colleagues, whoever's struggling with these insurance issues uh, at, at no cost. Uh, and, and, and this is, we, we're doing this because we want to educate the public. And ultimately, if we tell you that you have a case against your long-term disability insurer, you don't have to start anything. You don't have to do anything. There's no obligation. We're not going to say you must sign on the dotted line and, and have us represent you. No. We are here to give you this information, to empower you. And if at the end of the day, you choose to take action, 
based on our recommendations, fantastic, we will help you. We'll represent you. We'll make sure the insurance company pays you what you're owed. If you don't want to do anything and you want to give the insurance company a nice bag of money that's owed to you, that's your decision too. So as long as you understand what your rights are, as long as you understand that you have options, we've done our job, John. Toll free, by the way, anytime, one 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca. The email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to move down to an email from Joanne. says, uh, hi, Savannah, my mother is 56 years old and has advanced rheumatoid arthritis. She worked for a downtown firm until last year, but because of her condition, she had difficulties using her hands and couldn't sit for very long. She was uh, denied long-term disability claim after being on short-term with her employer. Her insurer said that she doesn't qualify because she's not totally disabled. Around a month after she was denied, she was let go from her job because her employer found someone else. I'm trying to help her, and I'm not sure what can be done at this point, if anything. What do you say? We definitely can help here, jo- uh, uh, Joanne. And first of all, let me just applaud you for the fact that you've reached out to us. And John, again, to all our listeners, the, the, these, this information we're giving out, this, this, you know, uh, uh, show is not just about the listeners. It's about who the listeners know. Because you can have Joanne here who's helping her mother. You can have John who's helping his father or friend. So give this information out. Okay. And, and all of these episodes are stored on our website as well. Uh, disabilityrights.ca, the TV episodes, uh, on global as well as, uh, the, the radio shows. Joanne, let me address the question here. Let's break this down. Your mother is 56 years old. She's suffering from significant uh, degenerative disease, arthritis, and uh, she, she's she's applied for, for long-term disability after being on, on short-term, and the insurance company said that she doesn't qualify because she's not, quote-unquote, totally disabled. I want to break down that sentence, that phrase, totally disabled. Long-term disability insurance policies require you to be totally disabled to qualify for long-term disability payments. Now, let's think about those two words for a second, okay? I know lawyers like to speak in Latin and complicated language. It's really not that complicated. Let me break it down for you. Totally disabled. We all know what disabled means or we have an idea of what that means in different contexts. But the word totally, when I say totally, John, what am I, what am I saying here? Most people, when they think about totally disabled, totally means complete a hundred percent right you know there is there's this idea that maybe you need to be in a coma or you need to be brain dead or you need to be you know some kind of a catastrophic injury that occurred to you that is not what that means in the context of long-term disability this is a made-up phrase again it's a made-up phrase made-up terminology and I'm gonna say this I'm gonna put a caveat in my view created by the insurance industry to confuse you, the individual, and confuse your doctors. And I say confuse because they didn't have to use that phrase, totally disabled. Ultimately, to get long-term disability, to qualify, for the first two years in most policies, you have to demonstrate and show through your doctor's reports that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation. That's the test usually. Beyond two years of being on LTD, the test changes. It becomes a bit more difficult. At that point, totally disabled under the policy means that you cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. Okay, So not just any occupation, any occupation you're suited for. But, but think about this for a second. If you are like Joanne's mother, 56 years old, you have advanced uh, rheumatoid arthritis. The doctors are saying she cannot work because of that in her own occupation. 
she perhaps could go and go for a walk, maybe she can live on her own, maybe she can get groceries in a limited way, but she cannot do her own occupation or the essential tasks. Well, guess what? Under the, the, the definition of the policy, she should be considered totally disabled because she's unable to perform those essential tasks. So don't be confused by the word totally, and certainly not by the phrase totally disabled. And I'm telling you, John, I have had cases. People come to me saying, I cannot work. I cannot do my job. You know, I remember this 52-year-old mechanic that had worked uh, in a garage for 30 years, but had significant sciatica pains and, 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 and chronic back pains and, and depression because of that, lack of sleep. That person was able to walk around, to eat, to cook, to shower, but with significant difficulty. Certainly, he was unable to work as a mechanic. His doctors confirmed it. And yet the insurance company said, you are not totally disabled. Baloney. Nonsense. And here's what happened. When they denied his claim and we got involved, we started the legal claim okay, against the insurance company. You know what happened? As soon as the insurance company got that legal claim served on them and they hired the defense lawyer, that defense lawyer picked up the phone, called me up, says, Sivan, without prejudice, this is legal speak where they say, we don't want you to use that against us if we don't reach a settlement, without prejudice... My client would like to resolve this. And this is after my client had been cut off uh, a, a year before. My client had tried to appeal that decision. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's wrong. Only because I got involved and, and, and put the legal hammer on the insurance company and they understood that now it's going to cost them a lot more money to defend the case. Only then they came to the table and paid my client what they had to claim, uh, uh, what, what, what they had to pay. So, so Joanne, we can help your mother here, but I want to I want to turn to something else, John. If you if we have a few minutes, uh, you know what? Let's let's slide into a quick break. I want to get back sure. to it because I know you got something to cover in that regard. Got more emails. We got Jack on the phone line standing by as well. Hang on, Jack. We will get to you. And uh, you want to reach out to Savan toll free anytime. By the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred disabilityrights.ca. The email is help at disabilityrights.ca as well. We return to it. Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show, we are here, you are here, good to have you along. Reaching out to Savan any other time, no, no, no problem. Help at disabilityrights.ca and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But uh, we're going to go right to Jack. Jack, thanks for, uh, for hanging on for a few moments. How are you? Hey, thanks guys. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen to my scenario here or case i i'm a i'm a business owner i have a private uh disability policy that's been engaged uh because of a severe accident i had uh, which i've just surpassed my two-year anniversary of that uh where i've had uh, you know spinal cord injury uh, come out of it and long-lasting injuries i guess I, what i wanted to say to savan was I'm, I'm kind of preparing listening to the show quite regularly i i'm a pretty regular listener so I hear the other cases and I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself for what is ahead where the private insurer is going to come and say, you know, you need to get back to work. And, but my policy clearly reads, which I've had my accounting firm, I've had people review it saying, you know, if I can't do my job to 100%, it's not like I'm going to have to let somebody go and, and, and become somebody out in the uh, plant or, or, or do that job. Or I'm the owner of the business. I can't do what I, I did in the past. Uh, I traveled quite extensively. 
visited clients across North America, did training sessions, and I don't have stamina or ability to do what I, I did. And it's long-lasting. So I guess where I'm going is for the, for the long term, if I'm paid till 65 on this policy, I'm trying to think of how to come up with a settlement because there's no denying these injuries are going to be long-lasting uh, forever. And it's only going to get worse with age. So how do we come up with a plan to promote to the insurer that we want to try and get a settlement here? Because I don't want to go through surveillance and all that till the age of 65 mm-hmm. where they're watching me walk around the block or watch me play with my grandchildren, uh, that kind of thing. So I'm just, I, I'm wondering from your experience, what am I to expect in the months ahead or years ahead? And I understand, Jack, and, and I'm sure you're going through all of this. I mean, obviously, it's very, very um, taxing uh, on you, probably your family as well. Um, do you, do you uh, feel comfortable telling us your age? I'm 53 years old. Okay, so you have 12 more years on the policy. So Correct. your question, your question essentially is, can I get a lump sum settlement? Can they just pay me out now? Am I correct? Well, it, it is correct because these, the spinal yeah. cord injury and the effects of my functionality yeah. are never going to change. I'm not going to be cured and go back. It's not like I sure. broke a bone and it's going to heal. Sure. So, so Jack, let me, let me give you some thoughts on this. And uh, I, I'll be absolutely frank with you. If, okay. in fact, your, um, uh, your injuries are, are, are as severe as you describe and, and the insurance company is aware and perhaps even signal yeah. to you that your payments will continue until, until the end of the policy, which is 65 years of age, chances are that they will not offer you or agree to a lump sum settlement. Now, I, 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 let me give you some context when it comes to this. Think about the insurance company here. Whatever your amount is, you don't have to disclose the amount that you're getting every month, but they're paying you. Let's say they're paying you, I don't know, uh, $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year. Multiply $24,000 a year by 12 more years. Why would they give you a lump sum right now for the entire amount, right? They're getting interest on that amount. They're using it for other purposes. The only time that I see insurance companies offering someone a lump sum payment is when the insurance company is looking for a deal. So, for example, if the insurance company uh, figured, you know what, Jack, uh, we'll approach you, and they may still do that. They may actually approach you, but they're not going to offer you to pay to 65. What they're going to probably offer you is two, three, four, five years max into the future. In other words, they want to give you a fourth or a fifth or a sixth of what you would otherwise be entitled to from now until age 65. They are looking for a deal and a good deal to cut that umbilical cord. Otherwise, they have no incentive. Now, the, the other side is I'm also getting a lot of emails from people who say, uh, you know, I'm injured pretty badly. Is there a downside by me approaching my adjuster, the insurance company, uh, f- for a lump sum settlement? And what I tell people is the only downside is that by asking that, you are potentially poking the bear. Because as soon as someone asks that of the adjuster of the insurance company, for the insurance company, there is immediately some kind of a red flag that comes up, right? They're thinking, why is the person asking? Maybe they have a job lined up tomorrow. So they become very skeptical. And, And so what I tell people is, you can certainly approach your adjuster, but you could potentially invite unwanted attention. They may, they may, in response to your request, actually say, we want you to be seen by one of our doctors. And, and you know, having listened to the show before, you know where that usually leads to. Yeah. So 
you know, the reality is that if you are going to get paid till age 65, my sense is just, you know, they're not going to give you a lump sum for, you know, for that period of time. They have no incentive to. Um, they may approach you and offer you a much lesser sum, in which case you can figure out if you want to take it or not, um, because they will offer you some years into the future, not a lot, but some years. But you have to be very careful in terms of you approaching the adjuster for the reasons I outlined. Does that answer your question? Well, it, it does, but I want to say, like, when you talk about it, they want a deal. In yeah. my case, being a business owner and having a very high-end policy through a private insurer, mm-hmm. it's like six times that value per month that you were talking about. So sure. when you talk, when you get near $2 million of payout till the age of 65, I'm thinking, you know, does the, does the adjuster want to say, well, we're not going to do that, so why not come up with an agreed settlement when you're talking a lesser value? 100%, sure. they're going to say, you know, I'm going to write it out. But when you're talking the kind of value that's a, a involved here, being yeah. a business owner, I'm, yeah. I'm looking, I think the same way as the insurer. I'm, I want the deal. I want to I want to get out of this uh, as scot-free as possible. So, you know, well, that's no, and, and that's fine, and I understand you completely. And, and again, I mean, that's not to say you're not injured. It's just that you have your own reasons why you would like to cut that umbilical cord so long as it makes sense for you and the insurer. So you yeah. either wait for them to approach you or you approach them with, again, the caveat, right, that yeah. you may attract attention that you don't want. I just don't know if you will. I don't know who the adjuster is. I don't know who the insurance is. Uh, but even if I did, who knows what they're going to say to their higher-ups and, and what they're going to do. So that's the only thing I would tell you. Um, you know, If you want a lump sum here for, for some years into the future, you either wait for them to come to you or you go to them but you have to be careful. That's all. Yeah, I'm just in a waiting game now because, you know, I just think it's inevitable they're going to come and say, hey, you got to see our doctors because we think you can go back right. to work. And, and But the policy doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say if you can do 50% of your job, you're, you're, you're not going to get covered. It has to be 100% of what I did in the past, which is impossible yeah. to do. So, so I understand. Kind of I got you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. Appreciate you guys. Well, Absolutely. Back. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate your time. We'll take a short break. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, indeed. Glad to be here at this time. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I want to thank Jack for his time as well on the phone line. But just prior to that, uh, Savannah, we were talking about Joanne off on disability, having some problems. Her, uh, her employer went out and found someone else to do the job. What do you think about that? So, so it's it's Joanne's mother, uh, yeah. and, and that was from I think a segment or two ago. Uh, her fifty six fifty six year old mother, sorry, has advanced rheumatoid arthritis and um, has been denied LTD. And she wrote to us. She said around a month after she was denied LTD, she was let go from her job because her employer found someone else. So I want to deal just to uh, you know finish off that that particular email for Joanne. You know, this is something that comes up often, John, which is that individuals on long-term and short-term disability get let go from their from their jobs. And, and so people then are facing with, you know, a, a double whammy here. The insurance company squeezing them, telling them we're not going to pay you. And at the same time, they just lost a job, a job perhaps that they've had for many, many years. Uh, what do you do in that situation? Do you go to a disability lawyer on one side and another employment lawyer on the other side? Or do you go to a shop? 
a law firm that has expertise in both these areas. You know what my preference is, obviously, John. All we do at our firm, all of our lawyers, all we do are either employment law or disability law. We don't do real estate law, family law, immigration law, or any of that. We don't do criminal law. That's not what we do. We have a certain focus. The way that when you you know need heart surgery, you go to a you know a cardiologist or or, sure. or a cardiosurgeon. You know we have certain expertise. So the reason why this is important is because if you just go to an employment lawyer, Joanne, if your mother goes to an employment lawyer, the employment lawyer may very well get a good settlement for your mother here from the employer, good severance. But if the employment lawyer doesn't understand the interplay between employment law and long-term disability law, then they won't know that most LTD policies contain provisions that state that the insurance company is entitled to a credit for any severance or other income that the person receives. So here you have a situation, John, where Joanne's mother may go to employment lawyer X, and that employment lawyer gets her $30,000, let's say. She's happy she got the $30,000. I mean, she's not happy because she, she lost her job, but you know she's happy she got the severance. And then she turns around, finds out that the insurance company says, oh, we want that $30,000. We're entitled to it. Look at this provision under the policy. And Joanne's mother turns around to the employment lawyer and says, didn't you know that? What's the employment lawyer going to say? That's negligence. That's absolute negligence. And, and I have seen this happen many times, which is why at our firm, when we have an employment case or a long-term disability case, the lawyers talk amongst each other. It's a team approach. And there's different ways of dealing with these issues in a way that maximizes the amount of money that is left in the pockets of individuals who come to us. Remember, our goal at the end of the day as lawyers or our objectives ought to be to represent our clients as best as we can. And when it comes to employment law and disability law, it means getting the maximum amount of money allowable under the law that is owed to these individuals. That is what we are tasked with, and we take that very seriously. So, you know, what I would tell you, Joanne, is have your mother reach out to us after the show. I will help her. I will speak with her about her LTD case. I will make sure I get somebody who uh, specializes in employment law at the firm uh, to speak with your mother as well. We'll work together to maximize the amount of money that she's owed. And this is really, you know, it's very important, John. I mean, you know, she's denied LTD, so she has no money. She's She's been let go from her job. She has no money. I mean, it's a very difficult situation. And this is what we are here to do, to give you this information. And if we tell you you have a case... Not in every case, but in cases where you have a case, we are here to help you. Joanna, if you didn't catch uh, your email and you're not listening to this in case, uh, someone that probably is from your family for sure, hence the reason you reached out. Here is that number, one 821 1-855-821-5900. You already have the email address, but... Uh, but give it a shot. Call the number and get more information. Uh, intake position, this is something we haven't talked about before. So, Van, what's going on over there? Yeah, so, so let's veer off for a second here. This is sure. very unusual, right? Because when Lior and I do these shows, he does the employment show, I do this show, James does other shows. You know, we we talk about the topic of law and we answer questions. But, but here's the thing. Because of our standing in the media and in the bar, I mean, we have a very strong reputation amongst insurance companies, employment firms, etc., in Ontario and in B.C., we get a lot of people contacting us. I mean, a lot of individuals who need help, especially now with, with you know, the whole travel insurance class action that just blew up, right, that everyone's talking about. So we, we have an in-house team of individuals highly trained by myself, by Lior, by other team members. Their, their position 
uh, is crucial at our firm. They're, they're, they're basically uh, client representatives. They, they're the ones, or client relation representatives, they're the ones who you speak with when you call us and they get the information initially that we need to get to assess whether or not we can help you initially. And if we think that we can obviously help you, then you know you're going to speak with a lawyer. If, if for whatever reason we cannot help you, they're going to give you some information uh, that is going to still answer your questions. Uh, but they're going to advise you. You know we can't help you. We don't want to waste your time, right? Uh, so, so I'll tell you this: because of the amount of people contacting us, we can certainly help everyone, but we need more help on that intake team. So I'm putting it out there. Uh, instead of putting an ad on Indeed, uh, if you or someone you know uh, is looking for a job, uh, whether you have a job right now or not, if you have some experience answering phones, if you love the law, if you want to help people, if you're empathetic, if you want to join our team, feel free to reach out to me. Okay, And then I will put you in touch with the right people here. But we are looking for individuals, not lawyers, not paralegals, just good people to join our team, to join our intake team, to speak with individuals out there who are contacting us each and every day for help. And I want to make mention, I think I can at this point, because of, like you said, current events going on, this uh, this is a position that's going to be a, a nice, robust position that could carry on to other things. But you're also working off-site for now, right? We are. We are. The entire yeah. firm is working remotely in all of our offices. Uh, we, we have very robust systems. And, um, you know, people are working from their homes. I don't know what's going to happen post-COVID. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of, of, of a hybrid model where people can come into the office but also work from home. Um, you know, to me, that's the best of both worlds for individuals, not having to struggle with public transit and, and you know, uh, fight the winter snow and, and everything else involved. Uh, I really like the flexibility that it gives our staff, uh, lawyers, staff, accountants, intake people, everyone. But again, we are looking for really good people. So feel free to reach out to me, send your resume, and I will pass it along to the right people at the firm, and they'll be in touch with you. Done. Here's how you do that if you're interested, or just to reach out to uh, Savannah and his team with other matters, help at disabilityrights.ca. The email address, the number, one 821 5900 and the website, disabilityrights.ca. You can catch past shows and links to our TV show as well. We'll catch you next time right here. This is it, Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.